Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www.dogwise.com, you can have a look at their catalogue. And when you get to your shopping cart at the end, just type in the coupon code, which is BARKBOOK, all one word, B-A-R-K-B-O-O-K, and they'll give you a whopping 10% off. Enjoy! Hey! Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello. Hi. Um, how is everyone? Cold. Good. Cold. Yeah. It is cold, cold, isn't it? It is cold. Hang on, I'm just. We've kind of down. like wrecked the intro, haven't we? Because we've just had a chat. We should have just done that. Don't ruin the magic. Oh, sorry. You're breaking should we have down. The same... Should we have exactly the same chat again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did we talk about? Talked about. Uh... We talked about marmite and beans on Weetabix. Yeah, which right. I'm well up for. Which I'm sceptical about. Um, we talked about how cold it was. Um, yeah. We talked about how red our faces are. Mm-hmm. Um, all good stuff. All quality podcast <laughs> material. Fish, fish being a little, a little. Yeah, booger. I've okay. actually um uh, the cu- last couple of days um peaches it's been a, it's been wonderful walking peaches. Um, so I'm taking that as a win. I'm, I'm really holding yeah. on to that. It's been well- oh we're still Newman. We still managed to we managed to do that since oh, the last well time. Well done. I yeah. signed up after we spoke, oh, and you? then I realised it was about forty eight quid a month, and I was like, no, I don't want to lose weight that much. Thank right. you very much. <laughs> so don't sign up now. Yeah. Then yeah. Wait, you'll get an email, and it'll be loads cheaper. Mm. Yeah, but I always forget mm. that. Do you remember we have had this conversation about Amazon Prime and stuff where yeah. I just forget that I'm on a free trial and yes. then it automatically, and I go, what? What is it? I do that. 20 quid out of my account. And I go, oh yeah, it's my fault. I do that. I, I have actually paid for it though. 
mine, uh, my free trial run out, and I was like, I don't think I can stop yet. So, yeah. well, that's good. I, I mean, I should do it. I should do it. <laughs> I should. I shouldn't moan about the cost of that. Because I should be putting money towards that rather than um, wine and chocolate and crisps. Yeah, I know, but wine, chocolate and crisps is <laughs> but nice. But wine, chocolate and crisps though. are much more fun. Yeah, yeah. but we're still than... doing them, just not mm. all the time. For now. Anyway, I anyway. do actually have a little chocolate thing every day. I do. <laughs> There's the wrapper. Uh, <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Yeah, so, you know. Nom, nom, noom. Stay nom, tuned, noom. listeners, to, to for when we horrifically fall off the wagon. Uh, and you can all point your fingers at us and go, ha, ha. Kind's, hey, look. Kind's giving me evils now. You're that, trying. That's, that's bad it's form. good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very trying. proud of you. Keep going. I'm back to doing the insanity workouts as well. Oh, God. I'm back on those. Gets up at 6 a.m. So that's, that's, Can you uh, still hear him grunting mm-hmm. from downstairs? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I bet everyone thinks we have a really great time in the morning. <laughs> Whereas really, you're in bed on I'm, your own I'm and Steve's yeah. watching a half-naked man on the telly. <laughs> I nearly, uh, I nearly, that's my idea of a good time. Uh, I nearly trod on Penny whilst doing a, a, a workout this morning. Oh, I mean, you've talked about this a lot now. It's starting to make me think it wasn't nearly, and it, it was actually, it, you got her. Well, I did kind of, got, <laughs> I got, half got her. Half got Is her. it safe to have a dog in the room when you're doing a workout called Insanity? Well, she'll just bark and bark and bark, I think, upstairs. In, in, in well, she bedroom. didn't. She came into the bedroom with me the other day, but she really likes being down there because she gets biscuits for being on her mat. So she was uh, like, I don't really oh, want to I be in see. bed with you. You're boring. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's like okay. the ultimate settle exercise. I've got like a, I've got, <laughs> I've got a, a mantra that I say, which is towel, drink, treat. So whenever, so you get 30 seconds, like gap between each exercise. And then I'm, I'm so I'm like huffing away and I'm like, towel, like rub my face yeah. and I drink, drink and then I'm treat for Penny. And she oh, just sits there like nice. staring at me, like <laughs> staring it's at me. It's not really more. a settle, is it? It's no. more of a stationing. <laughs> but sometimes like the it's really... ready to pounce at any moment <laughs> yep. if you don't feed me quick enough. Yeah, I the, know that look. The really grunty <laughs> exercises, uh, they're the ones where she gets excited and she comes down onto the floor <laughs> um, to see what's going on. What, why I'm like, why have I collapsed on the floor? <laughs> Why are you rolling around? I, I to... kind of feel like I should do one and film it <laughs> with all my dogs loose in the lounge and just see what on earth happens because they will all be so worried about what on earth I'm doing. In one way, shape, I'll or form, I'll be moving around, not just sat on the sofa. I wanted to ask how the dogs reacted to the chili incident you had. Oh, I, I was okay. Yeah. Oh, hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on. Let, let's have a little space for a jingle here because we do have a Nat's Injury Odyssey. I think, <laughs> I think this falls under Nat's Injury Odyssey. So uh, here we go, jingle. Natalie's Injury Odyssey. There we go. Right, tell the story. Okay. Uh, well, I I have a bit of an itchy nose at the moment. I wasn't picking my nose. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> But um, I happened to be making uh, a meal with um, bird's eye chilies in and I chopped up two chilies and I put them in the pan um, and uh, I didn't wash my hands. Mm. This is where I went wrong mm. because I was going back to, to chop more vegetables, but I just did that kind of thing. That's all I did. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've done that, that before. Not good. I've done it lots, lots. Yeah. Of lot. I never learn either. Mm. It's not good, I, is it? No, I had to. I I resorted to a a nasal flush in the end, nice. which involves kind of going upside down under a running tap and sniffing and snorting at the same time. <laughs> mm. 
and then coughing for a very long time. <laughs> oh, you basically waterboarded yourself. <laughs> that wasn't a pleasant experience. But after that, it was fine. So yeah, uh, I had a not very pleasant experience going back to like the workout. So the first, I picked my towel up the other day with a sweaty <laughs> face and went to wipe it across my face. <laughs> And it just had about 400 Newfoundland hairs on it. So oh. I just ended up with a big sweaty, like... Ma- is that is that where your beard is at the moment? Yeah. It's not actually your beard. It's he's, he's shaved peaches. It off. Anyway, <laughs> shall, we, shall we talk about that? But sure, everyone's thrilled yeah. with all of these conversations. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, well, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, so this is an Off Yourself episode, isn't it? And, uh, well, go it on, Matt. Who are we, who are we talking to today? We are talking to the lovely, lovely, lovely Tamsin Durston, um, who I have known for many years and um, admire her very, very much. Um, And uh, she's lovely. She currently works for the Dogs Trust. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, She comes from a a veterinary nurse uh, background um, and behaviourist background. Uh, and she's lovely, so I thought she'd be a, a good egg to have a chat with. Brilliant, and I, I find myself and and Corin as well, actually. I mean, in, in the uh, we we're not that clued up on Tamsin, so we're going to find out what's yeah, going brilliant. down in Tamsin's world. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I came up with a little thing. I was going to say who's in Tamsin when she comes up, but I'm not going to do that. So no. you could do that. She'd like that. <laughs> she'd like that. I'm not going to do it for my own for my own sake. <laughs> <laughs> Right, brilliant. Well, so oh, are we bioing? Are we bioing? We've kind of uh, given yeah, her a bio. Do. Why don't I? Here yeah, we go. go on. Uh, we'll bio and then she's here in the waiting room so we can let her straight in. Tamsin um, facts. Okay, so Tamsin Durston is a clinical animal behaviourist, dog training instructor and a registered veterinary nurse with over 20 years experience, predominantly in the role of nurse manager for the Blue Cross. This led, led her to develop a special interest in team emotional health within the animal welfare sector, as well as approaching veterinary care with a behavioural understanding to enhance patient experience and treatment outcomes. She's a member of the Association of Pet Behaviour Counsellors and Association of Pet dog trainers she undertakes canine behavioral consultations and facilitates evidenced reward-based training for pet dog owners and trainers believing in the importance of an empathetic and understanding relationship and that learning should be fun for both owner and dog tam currently works within the dogs trust canine behavior and research team creating welfare driven evidence-based educational resources and materials for professionals and owners alike Woo. Awesome stuff. Right, well, shall we? Yeah, let's go. Be rude not to, wouldn't it? Yeah. working this yeah. is not mine yeah. this belongs to my handsome irish husband and as we've discovered he's got a massive head <laughs> <laughs> that's just twice that's twice today i've only just met you tamsin that's twice today that you've mentioned your handsome irish husband and i'm kind of I, I just want to see him now <laughs> well several people ask about that and they're like we never see any pictures of you together <laughs> Is it, is it, is, is, yeah, it's not one of those, like, you know, I, is, I, is I've this got him? a boyfriend that lives in... Uh... <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's got lovely silky black coat. Uh, he's a Labrador. I mean, hair. Yeah. 
<laughs> I always remember at the beginning of um, last lockdown on Facebook, you wrote, oh, isn't it embarrassing when you have a crush on your, your new co-worker and it was you and your husband sat at your kitchen table? Well, do you know what? The office romance has gone up a notch because last week we walked we walked to work together hand in hand oh along the corridor. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. We could do with a bit of it. But I'm, actually, we do, oh. we've got an office in our house. Where it's actually, it's our Jack Russell's room that she just rents to us. Um, <laughs> but when when we come in, we always have a little chat about, you know, oh, how are you doing? How's, how's your weekend been? And, you know, as, we always have a little chat, don't we? <laughs> We pretend we're having oh. an office affair. Yeah, we pretend we're having yeah. an office affair. But, but it's an well, okay, you know. You've got to keep the love alive, haven't you? you know? Talk about how, uh, how we've been doing each other's heads in, you know, that sort of thing. Yes. We do that on a Monday morning. It's like, so did you have a good weekend? Like, what did you get up to? Well, my wife disappeared with the dog again. Um, <laughs> so just, oh, did she? Oh, that dog's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, your dog's beautiful. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't know. I never see it. It's always out. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Oh, because my husband, like, was just there at home, you know, doing home stuff and cooking dinner. And he's the best. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Have, thank you for joining us. Yeah. That's all right. Um, I don't know pleasure. what order we're in. Um, Steve, I've got... Steve and Corinne. Oh, they're there. there, are they? Okay. And you're there. Okay, I'm there. You're, you're um, there, Nat. No, Nat's there. Um, I'm there. Oh, I have you all in a row. <laughs> oh. Oh, flash. That's because you've got a very big flash computer. I have. It's about this yeah, big. Yeah, so it's whopping. It's a whopper. I've done that. I've, just to let you know, I've uh, already started recording because I like I say this at the start of every podcast, but I, you always end up missing good stuff if you don't record right at the beginning. So oh, I've learned okay. I've learned the, the the hard way to just press it straight away. So you know, don't don't libel yourself or anything. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, he really is handsome. <laughs> We're going to need photographic evidence for the Facebook page now. That's, that's the yeah. <laughs> Can I? Is that wallpaper behind you? Just because I have a little phobia, is that fish? Oh yeah, actually. Oh, I mean, no, it's fine. I can deal with it. Like, <laughs> okay, are you sure? I yeah, can't... no, this is really good therapy for me. But I was just looking at it thinking, it looks like flowers, but but is it fish? But actually, maybe this could be the start of a new like classical condition. Are you thing far for me. enough away? And are they yes. a, a, yeah. a frequency that is desensitizing yes. and not sensitizing? And maybe I'll need to go and get myself a nice snack just to really yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> to counter condition. Have, have some cheese. Have some cheese. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who I was talking to. It might have been um it might have been Alison Winters. And she noticed the wallpaper and was like, "Oh my goodness, good girl! Don't yeah. let don't let Tam see that." And <laughs> no! I completely forgot. <laughs> Sorry. So I no, it's that fine. Been worse. It does look pretty. It do, yeah. Okay. But it, no, it's fine. <laughs> so is this is this all fish you have a, a phobia of? Well, do you know what? It's really really weird. It's it's fish when they're out of water. So it's when they're out of context. Yeah, okay. I don't know, it, I get fish that. should be in the sea. They should, they, should, the they should not be ever <laughs> out of the sea. So you couldn't um, walk through like a fish market or did that would totally, no. that would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's How dead. How do you feel about this? Well, yeah. that one's the best one ever. <laughs> 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 that one is okay. You can stay. Don't you can stay. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, it's a bit weird. It started, um, and I can pinpoint it to two specific trauma. And it's really interesting when you think about what we know about psychological trauma and the, and the long lasting mm. effects and the development of phobias. So I think with people, and I, I haven't got the evidence for this, but I do, I have heard that it, it can, often in your sort of teenage or puberty years mm. is when these things can really develop because you're going through sort of emotional changes. And, but I, there was an episode of Casualty <laughs> on the telly <laughs> where there was a lady in the waiting room t- just in such panic and devastation because her baby was poorly and the baby was wrapped up in a blanket and she was cuddling it and they were waiting and they were like we need to get you know charlie or whoever it was um or must have been it's always charlie (laughs) the only one i could ever remember (laughs) yeah and we're talking 35 years ago whenever it was um but i remember how strongly this was so they they come out to help her and she's waiting and i think because I was so sort of empathetically connected to this lady who was really suffering. And then when they pulled back the covers so she could say, look, here's my poor baby, help it. It was the big frozen salmon. (laughs) And that, okay, (laughs) this is really weird. But that gave me a bit of a shock. (laughs) I was not expecting it. I was was expecting to see a, a baby just not well. But it was a fish that this poor woman had been through such an experience that she had, was nursing a fish as a sort of pseudo child, whatever. Good lord! Um, but that, but that shocked me. And then, so I think that's where it started. And then it was compounded by the second event, which was my dog Scruff. Um, I was just walking along Seven Sisters Road where I lived. I grew up in Finsbury Park in Holloway, and um, there was a fish shop. And we got to the corner, and Scruff was sort of something in his mouth. And I was like, "What have you got?" So I opened his mouth so that he could drop it and a little sprat just fell out of his mouth and <laughs> sorry i shouldn't those... be laughing <laughs> i know so those <laughs> so those two events happening that close together in time just that was totally yeah that that tipped me over the edge but that's the only weird thing so interesting everything else is perfectly normal <laughs> can you imagine if if Let's say you were a dog and we could talk to you and we were sitting down doing our behavioural history question. <laughs> and, that, and that was the, you know, the the reason that mm. there was the fish phobia. It's fascinating. Well, I think I, actually that speaks to like how, you know, when people are always asking the whys, like what was the mm-hmm. what was the reason that we've ended up in this sort of situation? That, that story really speaks to, I mean, it, it's almost unless you've seen something and really observed something that is like the pinpoint of what's caused a trauma or something along those lines. Like the, the idea of like fishing into the history of, oh no, no pun intended. Jesus. Um, <laughs> what is this? I'd slap myself every time we I mention any into sort flooding of territory. <laughs> yeah, but the, the idea of, of trying to go through and, and work out what it was, it was almost, it's almost not worth it because how would you ever you know you can't you can't talk yeah. to dogs when they've been through trauma and you don't know you can you can guess i mean look at drax with um with doors mm. that seems quite obvious doesn't it um mm. in terms of that but yeah it is quite a good analogy there i think yeah and i think it really i'm not recommending going through 
any kind of no. trauma at all but it does give you that empathy and you can because sometimes we just don't know we really don't know and what's the, the, what the animal has experienced in their lives and very often it's you know working in the behavior counseling world or training world you'll often hear owners say well i think he must have been hit with the stick mm. or because whenever or whenever a man has been horrible to him because whenever he sees a man and actually we forget it, it might just be he's never seen a man before and mm -hmm. he's never seen somebody with a stick and it, it's not necessarily that they've had a bad experience it might just be they haven't had an experience mm -hmm. yeah and in in many ways you know when we know or we're trying to really socialize pop especially relevant now in lockdown that lack of experience is as detrimental as having a traumatic experience so, yeah. so not having that positive socialization is you know results in really poor outcomes for our animal friends especially our dogs who, who you know we really we we know such a lot about the importance of socialization i've got quite a funny story about that sort of subject um my first dog i had when i was a child um ben he was a english springer spaniel and we uh rehomed him from battersea so we drove up to battersea to get him um when we when we were finally allowed it was all very exciting and i he sat with me in the back of the car on the way back he was good as gold and slept um and then when we got him back we took him for a walk again he was good as gold he's brilliant and then when we put him back in the house i remember this i can't I couldn't have been that old i think i was about 11 maybe um there was there was a film on the TV. I think it was like an old Charlton Heston film, and there was a sword fight, and he absolutely lost it, lost the plot, um, barking, you know, running at the TV. So we quickly turned the TV off, and then my dad, he just turned around, and he goes, "He must have seen a sword fight at some point before." <laughs> and then he used to tell that story at the pub, but like I remember like being in places and he'd say, "Well, yeah, Ben really doesn't like sword fights. He must have seen a sword fight in his past." And I was like, and even as an eleven-year-old, I was kind of thinking, "Well." sword fights are there you know yeah. happening near Battersea or in and around the Battersea area that well, is traumatized just, by it. I mean South London yeah I'm fairness <laughs> yeah let's not go there <laughs> yeah yeah but he did he told that story so many times and every time it, you'd kind of like be like mm, not so. everyone everyone hearing the story would be like what but he, he but proud then, he proudly then... diagnosed it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then how realistic is it to think, you know, to add that to your list of socialization, I, I must expose my dog to, to sword, sword fighting, fight. <laughs> just in case, just in case. Unless I was a world champion fencer, I don't think yeah. I'm going to be adding that to, to all no. the other millions of things you have to do. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned scruff. Um, I, I, we, I did. I literally had a little read about um, uh, your. It was your bio on the Dogs Trust page, and the, it was oh, Scruff, yeah. Scruff that got you into all of this shenanigans. Can, can you talk a little bit about Scruff? Yeah, Scruff was my first dog, and I, I guess I had to wait twelve years of my life for Scruff. So I was twelve when I got him, and I was allowed to get him on on the premise that he didn't ever cause anyone any any bother and that was my responsibility <laughs> and I think my mum appreciated that I could take on that responsibility um so I was asked to you know if, if you really want this dog you've got to commit you'll need to take him to a training class so I I took him along to Hornsey dog training class when I was 12 we went there for four years until I went to college um well actually until that the guy that ran the classes sadly passed away um <clears throat> and it was uh 
you know, we were talking, oh my God, what year was it then? Oh, so Scruff was born in 1987. So it was 1987. And so I was going to these training classes with him. And I must admit, Scruffy was not trained at all. He was not, I didn't, I didn't train this dog at all, but he was really well behaved. And looking back now, like thinking about the difference between training and behavior, you can see some dogs that are really, really well trained, but not necessarily well behaved. And then you get dogs like Scruff. He was really behaved. He was adaptable. You could take him anywhere. His temperament was to die for. He was just extraordinary. But could he sit? Would he come? No, he wouldn't come. Like I hadn't managed to train him to do anything. Um, But we just loved each other. Like we were so bonded, me and this dog. And he was a a scruffy black dog. He he was... um, there was a poster on the wall in the local vets that just said puppies free to a good home um, up from Muswell Hill. So we were allowed, we went, we chose them. And um, there were seven puppies. Now Scruff's dad was also his granddad. Just, oh, just that think, t- yeah. That took yeah. me a second and then <laughs> yeah. I got it. Okay. So, yeah. The dog next door, and yeah. the, you know, there'd been some funny business. They'd they'd had a great, they'd had a great time. Okay. So Scruff, so Scruff <laughs> came home. Scruff came home to live with us, and um, it just like it really does change your life. And I know I was I was only twelve, but for one, having that responsibility, which I took very seriously, for how he related to everyone else in the world, but also just me and Scruff getting out there I used to come home from school I would be up on Hampstead Heath with him um every night like I walked like that dog was the fittest dog (laughs) we walked miles we had such adventures and this was like people would spend their evenings I don't know what other kids did like I'm probably sound like a real loner but and I had loads of friends like I've still got friends my bridesmaids at my wedding were my friends from primary school so I've still got really good friends from that period but I would still hang out (laughs) hang out with my dog um and he ended up coming everywhere so like if anyone was saying oh let's do this I I would just rock up with the dog and I think people just assumed (laughs) scruff is coming (laughs) but because he was well behaved and he just got on with everyone he just fitted in and that just taught me a lot because I took him everywhere he was so well socialized so I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know about training um but I obviously socialized him in some way that that led to him being really adaptable I was 12 so we had to go on the tube he had to go on buses to get him to like we used to go out on the tube to massive parks on the edge of London and he saw people and everything so it just and that was it I was utterly in love with that dog he was incredible wow. yeah what a great story. <laughs> I love it. did you appreciate it that much at the time or do you mm. think it's it's looking back with some more kind of behavioral and training knowledge that you can look at it slightly differently or did you know at the time that he was special and yeah i think at the time definitely because we just because even when i went to uni and like <laughs> We, we were at uni, like, I had a great time, I went to Liverpool Uni and, you know, met a new group of friends, had a brilliant time at, at the end of uni, loads of people are like, oh, you'll be going off travelling, won't you? I think I probably look like the travelling type, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but, 
I was like, well, no, because I can't leave my dog like me and Scruff. Yeah. No way. I'm not going anywhere. If, if Scruff, it's like that T-shirt, isn't it? You can get if the dog's not coming, I'm not coming. And yeah. and so I didn't I, I didn't even contemplate going to Australia or New Zealand or places that my friends went or Thailand or anywhere, ex- anywhere exciting. I was taking my dog to Whitby for weeks holidays and I was walking, <laughs> I was walking the coastal path. Like I've nearly walked all the way around Britain because oh, wow. that's what Scruff wanted to do. And that's what he enjoyed. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I, I did, I really appreciated him. And I think everything I did was trying to just give him the best time because he was giving me so just friendship and and it's it's friendship that I didn't necessarily need because I had tons of human friends but I just it's a it's a different relationship you have with an animal because you can't communicate to them in English um so you have to find a way to connect and me and this random dog who was just born to a house you know who's dog had fun with the dog next door um just came into my life and we just connected and that's what you know when you work with people and their animals because I've experienced that and I've been it's I'm so fortunate to have experienced it because not everybody does Mm. and and everybody goes in nobody goes to a rehoming center or nobody goes to a breeder or what type of dog would you like well I'd like a dog that's going to be frightened of stuff it's going to bark mm. it's going to pull me over it's going to can't meet my friends um can't take anywhere you know i want a dog mm. it, nobody wants that everybody wants the scruff mm. maybe slightly better trained <laughs> like he will actually come back that would have been good <laughs> um, i mean I, I honestly so this is why you know when i teach classes and i can really talk to people about the experiences i have because I had all that love for Scruff, but it, looking back, what I can do now, like reflectively, is look back and see where training could have potentially made our lives easier. So mm. I used to, for example, the tricks of, of recall, you know, I used to be the person who walked to the park, I would walk around the park, and then would be the time I would call him. So Scruff was like, ah. Yeah. No, you're only calling me because we're going home. I ain't coming. Or I'd be on the beach. I remember once I was, I'd had a week in Weymouth with him. And I had like, I think 10 minutes to get on the train. And I was on the beach going, scrap, <laughs> scrap. <laughs> He's just looking at me like, uh-uh. I've seen the tickets. I don't want to go home. <laughs> no, didn't want to go home either. But anyway, so. So, and now I can say to people, don't make the mistake that I did because you'll, you know, recall your dog randomly every now and again. And because the reward is they get to go again. Mm. And and I can tell you because I did that mistake and I know how frustrating it is. I used to have to blow up balloons and wave them because that got him really excited and he would come running. And when he jumped in the air to grab the balloon, I would grab him. <laughs> did you and just go out with a pocket full of balloons? I did. <laughs> now, isn't that crazy? But that's management, right? I look right, back yeah. and I'm like, I managed that behaviour really successfully because yeah. he would never tire of the balloon. I used to take out bubbles and I would blow bubbles and he'd come running. I'd be like, I've got you. I've got you. <laughs> Scruff. <laughs> and he'd be like damn it, you've got the balloons. But but that's not a way, that's not a way to live your life. How the hell Um, did you find out balloons were the thing? 
Oh, I think we'd had balloons at in home. House, and he got, and he you know got... how dogs yeah, find yeah. things in general. And he wasn't frightened. You know, he was so, he was well socialised uh, with balloons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just making yeah. balloon animals for him. Or like, just you know. here you go. <laughs> just, but it's it's that kind of it's that kind. Again, it all comes back to empathy, doesn't it? Because I see clients that might be struggling, and I think, Do you know what, I've been there. And actually, when you can explain to someone. I've been through that too, you know, I'm a dog owner as well. Mm. And because it's interesting me also because I've just been writing a thing on training and I actually included in it, um, like last year we went camping just when we were able to in that brief moment when we were allowed out of our houses. And I heard one of the kids on the camp say, she's supposed to be a dog trainer, right? So how come that dog's just stolen our sausages? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, mm, yeah, I, I am supposed to be a dog yeah. trainer. Do you know what? My dog can do an agility course. She can follow a track. She can do match sample. Like, pair. She's stolen your sausages. Yes, she has. Yes. <laughs> and why is that? Yeah, because I didn't manage that situation. But it's that whole thing about what you know people expect you to have the perfect dog when you when you're in the business and i do have the perfect dogs i know you do (laughs) they're just they're just not the robots that everyone thinks they are do you know what i mean it's this different different idea of perfect they're perfect for me And and my coco is i mean it's when I talk about Scruff and I talk about Lelki who is our next dog and then Coco I always call them best dog ever because Scruff <laughs> like when we live in the moment I can say that because people are like how can you say how can you call Coco best dog ever when there was Lelki and there was Scruff and I'm like well because in the moment that I am with my with my dog she is the best dog ever right that. now yeah and when I was with Scruff he was the best dog ever so he still is and Lelki hashtag best dog ever <laughs> and and she still is and they can all be the best dog ever because they really are mm-hmm. but you know they are dogs and behavior is not contingent on you know specifically you know do we ever say that a dog is a hundred percent trained do we ever say a recall is a hundred percent i can't stand no, that 100 percent recall myth like you know the we can't. yeah yeah I, I get that a lot i see that a lot on like local forms like you should never let your dog off unless they've got a 100 percent recall i was like yeah well good luck with that one you know um yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about it today weren't we it's um oh yeah fish had one of those walks today you know when you're like who are you Usually, <laughs> <laughs> you you are doting on me today he's like Bye, mum. <laughs> Best dog ever. <laughs> we have um, we have a favourite dog, favourite dog of the day, um, yeah. and uh, invariably all five of them will be the favourite dog of the day at some point during that yeah. day. Um, yeah. And it's usually after you've just done something one to one with them. And J- Jay will come in from the garden with Jack's like, Jack's my favourite today. I'm like, okay. And then he'll look over at Jack and go, actually, Jack's my favourite today. <laughs> the one i'm looking at yeah basically yeah i think it's really important for people to hear those things as well uh I, we we were talking about we we've well we've we kind of we've been writing blogs for a while but we've we've kind of like gone up gone up a level in trying to like get some out some some stuff out there in terms of blogs and um one of the uh, Corin's winning by far. By the way, she's winning. She's <laughs> we got a little competition do, going. It's really good because you're trying to do some different stuff that 
everybody that lives with dogs goes through but mm. no one really talks about yeah yeah well corinne smashed like, it the other day with a blog that went like yeah went all out anyway the, but, but by the by but one i remember one so the first time i ever had that experience of like really connecting with people through writing on a blog was i we'd written about um when we first got peaches on newfoundland I'd written about that feeling of like, oh my God, we've completely outdogged ourselves. I feel, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I've got no skill, no, no talent. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was just about to say something aquatic again, but I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and so we wrote a, dog, um, a blog saying, "Have we out, have we outdogged ourselves?" And then just l- laid out the emotions of like you know mm. what it was like those first couple of weeks as first, you know how we were getting to know her, how you know and how understanding is is leading us to to be able to make lives better. You know a lot of a lot of it like you say through management and and things like that and. So many people were like, oh, thank you so much for writing mm. this, you know, because everyone's been there. And I think sometimes, and this isn't anything new I'm saying here, but I think sometimes we can, that sort of like just presenting the best, the best video, the best, you know, we're we're brilliant, we're brilliant, we're brilliant. It's just, it's not what people want to hear and they shouldn't either. No, and also we're human beings. Yeah. And, you know, everything we do is a is we're, we're almost we're stuck in this constant cycle of learning where some things will be reinforcing one minute and then they might not they might be punishing depending on the circumstances mm. and if we're constantly learning and changing our behavior as well as the dog and it's just being able to take a sort of step back and and look at what is happening and and i think the first step really is just to forgive yourself because we're, we're all going to make mistakes we're, and and even if you think of it like you don't have to think of it as, as a mistake mm-hmm. so like I've been doing a once a week online just very quick exercise for our club our training club at the moment while we're in lockdown so every Monday we do like me and Coco the dog will film something and but I just film it and I'll be there on the camera going, so, oops, handler error, as always. <laughs> um, you could see there where ah, I I said yes, I'd marked and she hadn't actually done it. But anyway, she's getting the reward because mm. I have or to. Or you, you um, then start doing a piece to camera and the dog's eating out your treat pouch here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all happened. <laughs> yeah. But people then connect to you because everyone, that's going to happen to everyone. Mm. And I think always saying to people in, in training, things won't always, you know, it's very rare that things just go to plan mm. and the, because that's life, you know, and, and also in the grander scheme of lives, we often make plans and we plan ahead and there are things we want to happen and for whatever reason they don't. And it's looking that, you know, it's looking at all of those eventualities as an opportunity to do something different. So I truly believe that we can learn from every experience we have Mm. every experience even when things go wrong it just it gives us information that can help us get it right next time or or not get it right but get it a little bit closer to what we think right Mm. looks like for us and I think it's just if you look at it like okay your dog didn't do what you wanted there but that gives you information it gives you really useful information Mm. Mm -hmm. about your dog about how they cope in this situation about how what you need to do and it gives you information for yourself as well about how you respond when things don't go wrong because some people really struggle and get frustrated and and outwardly express that which then can affect their animal their dog or whichever animal they're working with and 
or some people just laugh it off or some people really withdraw and think about it and mm. you know it, it, when things don't go quite right we all behave differently for for so many different reasons but the more self-awareness we have about how our own behavior is affected and how our own behavior affects the animal that we're with the, the better we can connect with them and that's where you start i think the bond that you have with an animal you know everything we talk about in terms of training and behavior modification or whatever it's all about establishing that relationship first that's the foundation mm. on which everything falls back on you know it holds everything up yeah so the more that you can put into your foundations you know the more resilient both you and your dog are going to be as a partnership do you think because you are some, a partnership do you think that some people think that that bit is a given that they don't need to work on that. I think sometimes getting that across to puppy owners that it's all about the bonding right now, that sometimes it's a bit like, and let's teach a sit down and all yeah. of that kind of bit. I think it's really interesting. I, it would be really useful. And I know some of my amazing colleagues in our research team at, Do at Dogs Trust are looking at the human animal, the human dog bond at mm -hmm. the moment. Um, and that research will be shared with everyone, like everything that our team does, which is brilliant. Um, but, it, you know, I think people have different expectations depending on we're all unique as people and we've all got different, you know, we've had different, if we want to look at ourselves as the animal, you know, we've all got our own genetic background. We've all had different experiences. We've, we're all in a different set of conditions. And from moment to moment, we're also influenced by things like how, you know, our mood, what's happened in the, the time sort of proceeding to this current moment and how hungry we are, for example, and things like that, and our current health. And all of those things will factor into how each one of us as an individual is going to relate to our pet or our dog. And for some people, in my experience, sort of teaching people tra to train their dogs, there are some people who might expect their dog if they've got a rescue dog, for example, to be grateful that they have been rescued, yeah. um, which gratitude is a, is, I don't know, like, see, this is, every question you ask, you get another question, yeah, but is grat sure. gratitude, is that, a hum is, that a, is that a human thing? Or is my dog grateful? We can just, I, I think all we can say is we don't really know. We don't know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also, and if, they, if they could be grateful in the same sense of us, would they be grateful for the things that we I think know. we yeah. should be grateful for? <laughs> exactly. Be like, I'm grateful that you finally stopped like yeah. looking at me and yeah. kissing me and yeah. just left me alone. Yeah, <laughs> so, there'd be a lot of that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, and I, th I think, so I think some people have an expectation that actually like obedience, like which is a very sort of traditional view of dog training, that a dog should sit and they mm. should do this and they should do that. And that that might be their interpretation or, the, or their definition of what relationship is so i think even just the word relationship will have a different meaning for, mm -hmm. for every single one of us mm -hmm. and it's really useful i think when you're starting to teach and train and talk to people about bonding with their animal that you you help them kind of identify for themselves what that means or what that should look like and what what they want that to look like mm. because I see it as wrong as trainers behavior counselors nurse you know I'm a veterinary nurse as well and when you're sort of educating the, the the owner you want them to also see their animals perspective and 
it, very often what we want from our animals and what the what, the things that we expect from them actually uh, don't align with with their needs and what they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they also have mm-hmm. expectations from us, mm-hmm. and just as much when we're training our dogs they're kind of training us at the same time Mm. my dog has my husband really well trained (laughs) she can get him to get up and go into the kitchen (laughs) and and let let her lick his plate yeah and she can just do that and she knows exactly how to do that and he's i'm hands up i am trained i'm trained by all of my dogs even (laughs) tracks has cotton (laughs) dogs even the traumatized one brain cell wolfhound has cottoned on that if he nudges at the baby gate, I go, oh, you're hungry. <laughs> and then he gets something. So, yeah, I, I think but, but... how toxic does it sound if we say, oh, I'm, I'm looking for a partner and I want them to respond to everything I say and come with me everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah, good point. That is, yeah, I like that. And that, that's often what we... Here, yeah, yeah, and expect, um, but we wouldn't necessarily expect that from a human relationship. So, that, no, that's another natism I'm going to steal from my puppy classes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm just going to write that down right now. <laughs> well, I did, I did a, a presentation. Gosh, it must have been the year, but like last year's just disappeared now, so mm. it must have been the year before. But I did a presentation for. Um, the Metropolitan University in London, which is an art school, and it was a, it was part of this special sort of art and science weekend. But I presented to these art students um, the concept of uh, would our dogs choose us? Mm. Oh wow, yeah, that's a big, that's a big <laughs> question. It's a biggie, isn't it? And, and I, so- I find myself thinking sometimes if I just left the front door open. I never would, obviously, because there's a road. <laughs> but what, would they stay? Yeah. Am I keeping them yeah. captive? Or are we all living together as a family, like how I hope we are? I oh, don't go down this road, because I, 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 my brain just immediately goes down to sort of like, in a hundred years, what is what will what will we view keeping companion animals as? You know, I, I start going down that road if I start mm. thinking too much down, you know, down that side. And I think... I've, I've asked any... myself this question um, since having Peach Peaches because I think Penny definitely would have said yes beforehand. Now I think she would have been like, no. <laughs> <laughs> since you brought Peaches here, Aww. maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Should, what should... did you well, conclude that, in your conversation? Well, the it was potentially yes they would because we we know that they're social they you know they can bond with humans and we we do have this ability to connect emotionally on an emotional level um and fulfill that sort of social need that we have to communicate in whatever way we can but it's kind of dependent on the environment and you know they would choose us depending on how we interact and and how we engage and and how we meet their needs they might choose us but they might not choose all the elements of us and that's that's but that could we could say that i mean let's get deep like we could say that about each other you know there are sometimes like my husband might say to me i love you always but you can be really annoying (laughs) (laughs) which 
I mean, that must be true, I guess, from his perspective. Um, <laughs> apparently, I'm quite noisy. I make a lot of noise. Um, which oh, I guess... I've got a noisy spouse. It's not fun. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm oh, siding God. with the Irishman. I'm sorry. Oh. I, I I find myself pretty much every morning saying, "Shush." Are we going to have any quiet today? Because I've been up <laughs> 10 minutes and I haven't heard nothing. <laughs> I can only apologise on behalf of on behalf of us of us noisy people. Um, but it's that kind of thing, and it's you can you can love and desire to be with someone, but and and you can love someone, but that doesn't mean you always love every element of their behaviour. No. But but that's being able to separate out somebody and their essence from the various different ways that they behave Mm. and that's why we can be forgiving and we can overlook things you know that that some people might describe as a flaw but it's just the way that somebody behaves it doesn't mean oh just because because I've got friends that do things that I might not ever want to do for example um but that doesn't mean I don't love them Mm. Mm. it's just that that one thing that they do i well, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, but just don't I get still involved. Love you. <laughs> you know, I think that's the, the the kind of wider concept is is the empathetic acceptance, isn't it? Mm. Where and and you know when you're working with reactive dogs, for example, I think perhaps the 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 older thinking obedience style training is that the dog should be able to cope with that busy walk you're going on every day, and so you continue doing it because they should be able to do yeah. it. Whereas actually, you know behaviorists like us would be saying well your dog can't cope with that at the moment I may never you know depending on all sorts of factors and so it's not a cop-out it's not a failure to not go on those walks it's the acceptance that that's not right for your particular individual dog yeah and it's sometimes it's giving people that permission Mm -hmm. because as as a society you know and if you look at things like social conformity theory and you know how people a lot of people's self-esteem is you know directly related or correlated to their ability to provide for their animals needs Mm. and so there's this societal expectation that if you have a dog you will be walking it and for Mm. a lot of people where that Mm. isn't the right thing to do because their dog is terrified or for whatever reason there's that conflict between people expect me to do this, Mm. but I don't think it's quite right. But, and then the person is in emotional conflict. And actually a lot of the time as the behavior counselor, you're you're talking to people about how, you know, I think your dog would feel this way if they don't go out again. It doesn't mean forever, but if Mm. we stick to your garden or we stick to just round the block or whatever for now, and we build confidence and trust but how will you feel about that? And very often people will be like, oh, but won't people think I'm being bad? Yeah. And it and it's it's teaching people how they can communicate to other people. I've done a few sort of consultations where as part of our sort of discussion, you know, people will, owners will say, how I totally get this and I really understand what my dog needs and 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 how I'm going to manage that um <clears throat> and start to change the way they feel but how am I going to tell the rest of my family because they yeah, keep yeah. saying to me oh how you need to do this <laughs> yeah. and you need mm. to do it. and we play such we play such what other people think and I, we need to 
you know, when we're working with our animals, what they think really yeah. matters. That it, it's it's how my dog feels that really matters. I don't care if my neighbour thinks, oh, she hasn't been out with that dog for ages. I don't care <laughs> yeah. because my dog is is happy. And if you know, if I bump into my neighbour, I can explain why. But we need people to feel secure like really understand why and to feel secure enough to to talk to people about it and to say look I've made a decision that it's the right thing for my dog right now yeah but it's just a lot of people don't have that confidence and don't fit for various different reasons and at different moments in their life might feel differently um but there are times when people you know almost compromise their animals because they want to live up to what society expects of them because of how we've come to expect dogs and animals to be cared for, um, which sometimes put, put, you know, it's too challenging for the animal. The thing that's so wild, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, um, I can completely imagine that because I've got a story just um, a little while ago, we had a leak on the driveway and I thought there's gonna be diggers and all sorts. So I'll, I'll see if Penny can go and be with my sister. And I dropped around there, just just an hour or so, I'll come back and get her. Anyway, my sister sends me a text message being like, just taking Penny for a walk. Now, they live on a main road and she doesn't have a car and she has fear of, of cars and of traffic, oh. you know. And I'm like, I just phone her immediately. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. What are you doing? Like, as if this is new news. <laughs> Penny's been with us for nearly five years. I'm like, what, what do you mean? And she's like, it'll be fine. There won't be that many cars. I'm like... Just stay where you are. I'm coming to get her right now. And I'm like, you're my sister and you know about this. And you were like, oh, there won't be that many cars. I'm like, well, there was. It'll fine. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not even like they're in the distance. I don't know. Oh, well, and uh, family aside, you you can meet a lot of very um, confident strangers that can tell you about your dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Without, without asking them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's... It, and I think a lot of the time uh, we're there as a kind of voice of reason, aren't we? To say, okay, that that guy shouldn't have said that to you, and you're doing the right thing. Or yeah, it's it's a a lot more involved job than I think a lot of people. You, give it you guys, to. as behaviorists, especially. I mean, I I see we we see enough of it as dog trainers, um, but you guys, especially that sort of counselor role is mm. very un, un, underrated i think and like what you do and uh, you know and from from the little bits of it that i that i delve dip my toe into if you like um yeah i can't i can't imagine you know it must be quite must be extremely fulfilling when everything goes right but my, on the opposite side of things you know you you must get a lot of uh times when things don't go so right or people don't take your advice or or like you say the other person's been pressured from outside sources so nothing's getting any better um, yeah, I can, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that. No, it, it can be a very emotionally challenging mm. role, which I'm not sure people are fully prepared for. Um, but I liken that also to dog training. I don't think people that go into dog training realize quite how emotional it is as well. Mm. Um, because you see people struggling with dogs that perhaps they're they're mismatched with or that they they're scared of mm. which is really difficult they love mm. their dogs it's like we were talking about you know i love you unconditionally but i'm quite scared of you and I, you know and as the trainer very often like i've there are dogs i've been scared of as well um <laughs> and but 
you know, I think whichever field that you're working in, when you're working with animals where there are owners attached or, or animals who don't have owners yet, but there are carers, various people caring for those unowned animals, it's always going to open you up to, you know, really challenging feelings about am I, am I doing the right thing for this animal and their person? you know, we carry those feelings with us as well because the, the consult finishes, but you're still thinking, <laughs> you're still, yeah, yeah. you're still wondering. Across the weekend, yeah. across the, yeah. in the evening when you're going to sleep and you're waking up thinking about, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. I imagine that people don't realise that because sometimes they will text at like 9.30 <laughs> on a Saturday night and you're like, okay, well, I, I can't, I don't want to reply, but also I'm now thinking about that until Tuesday yeah. when I'm back. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, there there are things that we can do to help ourselves with that. Um, but it's very difficult to establish those. You kind of almost have to establish those from the start so that you get into these good habits. I think there's probably not anyone out there, whether you're working in the veterinary field or training and behavior or, you know, welfare, rescue and rehoming or grooming or whichever animal related field you're in that, you know, you don't go into it just unprepared for how to create those boundaries from the start mm. and going, you know, going into it with such a desire to help. Like yeah. It, yeah. it's a compassionate um, work. It's a compassionate mm. area of work and people go into it because they really care and they really want to make that difference and feel that you know when you've studied and you've learned and you've trained and have the skills to help and you just want to apply them sometimes then you you've, you're met with that panic of this is going wrong this is not working am I the right person to do to do this you know and suddenly you you're doubting yourself and you, you're criticizing yourself but at the same time you're talking to someone it trying to come over like <laughs> I might look like I'm panicking but I really know what I'm talking about and you're trying to influence someone else's behavior to help their animal and at the same time that little voice in your head is criticizing your approach to doing it and it's learning how to deal with that and actually connect with your own self just give yourself a bit of a come on you know take back control because mm. I th one thing I think what we can all do but I think you really have to practice it and get into the habit of doing it is just bringing in your sort of rational mind I think very often we, we get carried away and we our emotions are there for a reason emotions are really really important they keep us safe they give us an initial response to something but if we if we don't recognize look i i can it's perfectly acceptable for me to feel this emotion i feel scared right now i feel guilty i'm embarrassed i feel ashamed i feel you know pulled in a different direction i feel conflicted i you know i'm frightened i'm panicked okay it's, that's okay for me to feel those things but i now have a choice about whether i let those behavior i let those emotions affect the way i behave or whether i can bring them under my control acknowledge them and make it make a, a wise decision now about how I behave. But very often, I think in our fields, we're pushed to make that kind of bring that conscious awareness in really, really quickly. And sometimes it's just too quickly. And we're just emotional and we our emotions run away. Yeah. Um, and we get caught up in them. 
but the more we can practice just stopping and one thing I try to teach people to do um certainly introduced this with my guys when I was nurse manager um I was veterinary nurse manager at Blue Cross Hospital for 13 years and with my team we used to talk about having a pause and just it went and it, and it doesn't matter you could be in a consult with someone so you could be talking to someone in the clinical environment like a nurse clinic about their animal's weight or their diabetes or whatever but if you find yourself getting carried away you can just say look I'm just gonna take I'm just gonna stop I'm gonna count to 10 and just collect my thoughts here and that's okay it's okay to do that yeah and get into the habit of doing it just coming to stillness and just thinking okay in your head you're like ah <laughs> but you can just just saying to yourself okay take stock what can I actually control in this moment I can control myself I can control the way I respond I might be feeling panicked but I don't have to let that panic come out as in you know I don't have to direct that panic towards this owner I don't have to mm. make them feel the way that I feel <laughs> I can bring that under my control, but you, you do have to practice. But that just coming to pause, coming to stillness, taking a breath can help to reset you and get you into that positive where, where those emotions are still there, but you're able to act on them for the be better, better benefit of yourself and the patient and the owner. I, I listened um, to something the other day um about similar things so i guess this sort of cbt kind of territory um it taps into it yeah, yeah. and uh there is a oh, i can't remember who it was if i if i find a link I'll, I'll whack it on the facebook page um but i was reading something about a guy who who again he'd, he'd suffered quite a bad trauma i think his son had died um and he's waking up every day like sad like and then the first thought he'd have every day was you know uh, you know, I don't know what his son was called. Bob died. Like that would be his first, his first thought, and he had to train his brain to to say Bob died. So he'd wake up every morning, it'd be Bob died, but then he would also say, but also Bob lived, and mm. um, yeah, just changing that sort of like narrative like stopped him from every day waking up and just bursting into tears. I guess yeah. it's a similar thing because if you generally if you tell your brain to do something I know that sounds really weird like what I'm saying there but if you, it will do it you know if you if you think about raising an arm you'll raise an arm so if you if you find yourself in a moment where you you can think about trying to be a bit calmer or you know like you say like trying to appeal to the sort of like rational side of your of your mind you you can do it like you say practice and I'm by, yeah. by no means any good at it <laughs> can I just put that out oh. as well, can I? <laughs> <laughs> it's really difficult yeah and I think it's difficult because so many of us now you know I'm not stepping aside from this I'm a human being as well um but so many of us are practiced the other way mm. because you get better at what you practice. You get better at the things that you repeat and you do. Yeah. And we know that. And so you, you have to practice. If you want to change, you do have to practice. But, you know, that's exactly the same conversation that we have with people about teaching loose lead walking. Yeah. If, if you know, it, it's no different. It's about what's reinforcing and what, what builds those neural pathways and what builds that muscle memory is going through that practice which is hard but if you want a dog that walks nicely on lead I trust me it can be done because I have a dog that walks nicely on lead and I had Scruff who just used to walk from left to right <laughs> down the street one arm was long always longer than the other so I've been there um but I know that you have to put that effort in 
but I can tell you that it's worth it. Yeah. But we all have to make that decision. You know, is it worth it for me? Like when just thinking about talking to owners about loose lead walking, you know, for some people, loose lead walking is not a problem. It's not an issue. So no. I'm not going to stand in a class and say, you must teach this. It's not up to me. I don't decide well, what they teach. For some dogs. So I've got different it's kind not of expectations of all, all five of my, I don't care if fish pulls me because yeah. he weighs four kilos. Yeah. He can walk how he likes. <laughs> Rax, on the other hand, I might yeah. need to do a little bit more work yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's exactly that. With us, isn't it? <laughs> but when it comes to things like our, so, and, and that's the difference, that's, you know what is a problem and what's not a problem will will be different for everyone but but for me personally and and for my team um and my nurses when i could see that their emotions were and and myself included when our feelings begin to impact the quality of the work we do and the quality of our lives mm. that is a problem that's yeah. a problem for me and it and and I would look at some of my team and think that yeah this is not fair this you are not being kind to yourself and sometimes I've not been kind to myself either and it's but sometimes people aren't aware that that's happening and it becomes a spiral they're not aware that they're because they're trying so hard to help the animals and the people that they're forgetting that you have to look out for yourself first and that can feel very selfish. It can feel very alien when all we want to do is is to look outwards and help other people. And we don't think about prioritizing our own needs first. Yeah. Which yeah. I, uh, I'll send you some dates. I'd like to book in a weekly life coach session with you. <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking I'm going to go and sit. I'm going to lay just, down on a couch and, and transfer you 50 like, pounds. Calm come over me. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I can do this. So t- tell us about yeah. So you, you've you've alluded to your the research team and you've got a yeah. bit of a team behind you. Tell us tell us a little bit about that because it sounds fascinating what you're doing over there at the Dogs Trust. Well, do you know it? Oh, I'm just in love with my my colleagues. Um, it's a brilliant organisation. Um, just the aims and the mission, just to, to help improve welfare um, and educate people. Um, and so the research team are a relatively new um, inclusion in Dogs Trust. I joined Dogs Trust four years ago. Um, I moved from Blue Cross to Dogs Trust. I had the opportunity to move. I'd I'd nursed for 20 years um, and had the opportunity to move and work full-time in behaviour with what was then a new directorate, which is Canine Behaviour and Research, headed up by Dr. Rachel Casey, who's just a legend. Um, and I know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, she's just brilliant. You need and... to put a little ding or something yeah. in there. Steve. I will. <laughs> just... I'll make Ra- just... Dr. Rachel Casey. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually ashamed to say I don't know who you're talking about. So I'm, I'm going to have oh a little I'm gonna have a deep dive into her. Get Googling. I will. Yeah, I'll get going. She's and just so down to earth and, you know, because obviously I'm in awe of everyone and terrified of everyone um but so yeah i had the opportunity to go and and work there and um move full-time into behavior which at that point in my career was was a really good choice for me It, it was a real leap of faith i had to 
uh, it was a real test of everything that I thought about myself, which mm. I thought, okay, I'm laid back. I live in the moment. I really do. I try to live my life um, in the present and look at the positives and not hold on to the past and, and be able to detach, which I think is a, a useful skill. You can, you can unattach from things without losing the love for them. And, and, and this is also something I try to do with, you know, clients or consults that you're working with or, or animals that you're working with that are really struggling so that you can, you don't bear that burden with you over the weekend and you know you're going to see them again on, on Monday or the next appointment, for example. But if you carry that burden with you, it's, it's not healthy. And to train yourself to step aside and unattach is very positive because they're not going away. And so, so you don't need to let that tip over and affect the rest of your life. It doesn't mean that you don't care and it doesn't mean that you don't, the love is not there. It just mm. means you're able to put that into a compartment and you can come back, you, you, you will go back to it. Um, so yeah, moving teams, I was very attached to my team. I'd recruited them, I'd built them, I'd trained them. I had almost prepared them to take over as well. And I was very aware that I was at the top of this team blocking their progress because <laughs> unless something happened to me, how was my deputy ever going to become the nurse manager that she just, she's nurse manager now, Emmeline. She's an awesome, awesome woman, phenomenal. Um, but how was she ever going to have that opportunity if I stayed? So I, you know, I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go to Dogs Trust. And I, I you know, I wanted to. Um, and yeah, from day one, I was there, I was in it, I immersed myself and I realized, okay, I am the person. Because <laughs> I, I thought, okay, what if I find out that I can't cope and I really just want to go back and stay in my comfort zone? And because it was a, it was a test of me. Um, and I thought, you know what, if that's what happens, then you'll learn that that's what you need to work on. You, I, I just think we can learn from every experience. And, and if, and if I had made that move and struggled, it would have taught me that I needed to look at different areas and, and help myself get better at them and, and use it as a learning experience. So one of my sort of mantras is, who is the teacher in front of me? That there is always someone, mm. like every person that you talk to, there is something to learn, everyone. And that's why it's, you know, even people that you think, oh, whatever methods they're using to train dogs or whatever, they still have something to teach us. Mm. And my dog teaches me every day, like every person we have. And if you if you meet people with the expectation that you can learn from them, it, it removes all those barriers. It stops you judging them. It stops you going coming into a conversation with someone with an agenda. So I, I didn't go to Dogs Trust with an agenda of, I want to do this, I want to be this. I just went with the agenda of, oh my God, what can I learn and what can I suck up? And the people that I've met and the company, like I would be sitting in the office, just literally looking around, like just ready to cry at the drop of a hat because surrounded by these brains and just people so compassionate and experienced and just with such desire to do some good in the world for dog welfare. And by, you know, you can't do good in the world for dogs without doing good in the world for people as well because we're so interlinked. Mm. So um yeah it was it was a good move. 
having written, quite emotional about it. But yeah, you're making me but, want to work there. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I, I love <laughs> it. The team is just amazing, and yeah, yeah. It, we've, yeah we're very it, lucky. And but I think what what people don't realise as well is it's yes, we've got you know people that work in our in our head offices, but it's also the the training and behaviour team in every one of the rehoming centres. The practical work that's done on the ground by, you know, I, I sit in an office and I write about dogs and I, you know, which I love doing. I love writing and I love helping various different teams with whatever information they need about dogs and welfare. And But the, the, the training and behaviour advisors that work at the centres are actually they are putting into practice everything that we've all learned, you know, everything mm. that we know about behavior modification. They are enriching dogs' lives. They are preparing dogs to be pets, which, as we've already sort of alluded to, being a pet dog is not without challenges for our dogs. You know, there's traffic. You know, my my dog, um, we rehomed her. I think we're, we're her. Yeah, we would be with her breeder, whoever that was. We would be home number four for Coco, wow. um, best dog ever. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, she really is. To use her full name. <laughs> to, to, yeah, hashtag best dog ever. Um, coconut, best dog ever. But, you know, she didn't ask to come and live in. I live in central London. I've got a Labrador. I live in a first floor flat with a shared garden. She didn't ask to come and live here. So my whole ethos on my, me and my dog um, is that I owe it to this dog to give her the best life possible because she didn't she didn't ask for it. She I asked for her. She is a gift, mm. and that's that's just my feeling about her. But other people will have dogs for different reasons, um, and that's fine. Uh, but it's just. Yeah, I think it's just that's my whole sort of attitude to, to dog ownership. But I recognise that people have different needs and different values and different experiences and, and everyone's experience is valid for them. But being a pet dog is difficult for them, what, what we're asking of them. So the better we can prepare them, and that's what our canine carers doing and our trainers and our senior uh, our training and behaviour advisors they're using all that knowledge to try to prepare dogs to adapt and to, to, to have the best lives possible. Mm. And that's such a gift. And so, yeah, the team, both theoretically in terms of all of our researchers and all our dog school trainers as well, you know, you, we can't forget them. And, but, and yeah, the behavior counselors and, but then the practical element of the team, it's, it's huge and it's it's holistic we're trying to meet all areas of understanding dogs both in terms of the research that the team are doing so our research team are looking at the moment at things like um post-adoption support which we provide but but looking at are we really giving people the help that they need to keep their dogs in homes looking at the human animal bond um, looking at what why people choose dogs and and what is it that how do we choose dogs how do we acquire dogs which will answer some of the questions that we're all desperate to find out mm. um and then also you know they've done a, a massive covid study as well which there are links on the dogs trust website mm. that you can see but i mean i filled that in you know the effects of covid which i think we're, we're all gonna we're gonna see the effects of covid for for years to come because all of our lockdown puppies from last lockdown are just going to be moving into adolescence right now 
there are new lockdown puppies and it, it's going to ripple out and it's going to have a much bigger effect than I think we realise now. But if, if we don't have people researching it, well, how will we know? Mm. So, um... yeah, we should, we'll put some links to the uh, the research page um, on the podcast when it goes out as well. Yeah, um, they're so amazing, those guys. And they're fish... on Twitter as well. Oh, they're... are they? Okay. Yeah. Um, little Fishy's been... Um, filling in his survey Gen for generation pup, pup. Yeah. yeah so um and it's good because it reminds me how old he is because i got an email the other day <laughs> saying uh your your two and a half year survey is now ready oh um, so yeah it, we've been doing that since the start um and yeah it's great i i don't i always wonder whether because it's on, on, anonymous um apart from fish um I wonder whether the research team look at my answers and go, well, that's clearly not or a behaviorist because <laughs> I basically answer. It's like the quest, some of the questions are like, uh, how did you react when your dog did something wrong or did something bad? And then in, I, I'll write other and it'll say, give more details. I'm like, depends what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what would you consider bad? I don't consider anything bad. Yeah. If he was digging, then he's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> the annoying behaviourist answer. No, it's funny, isn't it? Because we sometimes fill in like pilot studies and surveys just to test them. And it's, you know, this is all anonymous. What's your dog's name? Coconut. She's a black <laughs> Labrador. Oh, okay, well, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Hi, my name's Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. But it's, do you know, I've just finished... Um, three day I'm doing a master's in human behavior we are at oh, the moment wow. so we are with the scariest the scariest of all the animals um the human being yeah and um so I've just finished today three days of study block online um but we've just been doing statistics so we've just been doing quantitative and qualitative research and it's just it's given me a newfound appreciation for the research guys and, yeah, and yeah. The, the coding that they do and the stats that they do and you know it's very easy to read a paper or an abstract and and look at it and go oh yeah we've known that for years old dogs using yeah. whatever but if we don't if we don't test it and if we don't take the time to to do all this science and this data analysis it, we can't say that it is just an assumption yeah. and it's and it's so important that we're doing this work i it's think just um, generation pup as well they're doing a fantastic job mm. um, of making science publicly accessible. Mm. So um, when they publish, obviously there's the the journals for the academics, but they've also got these lovely infographics, yeah. which are, you know, really lovely to share. And hopefully it's putting that message across as well, that all this is evidence-based and, you know, that yeah. we're not just saying, <laughs> I'll try that because we read it in a book somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I love all the, because uh, I'm a bit of a sort of tech geek as well. I, I love the fact that Fish gets a certificate to say yeah. when he's been published in a study. Oh. I mean, it's just, a, it's a, it's really well put together. I'm yeah. really impressed. So. And it's really sweet because um, before lockdown and all this happened and we were in the office, we, we sit with the research team and, you know, the, the gem pop data comes in and, and somebody will say like for example if it was fish they'd be like oh come and look at fish there's a lot of <laughs> and everyone will gather around to look at a puppy called fish and yeah. and then his picture will go on the wall and it just oh, cute. you know it, it's people that are 
proper geeky scientists they all wear glass you know just to be stereotypical um, you know, they're all very intelligent they're all you know they really are but you know show them a picture of a puppy and they're just melting which is, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing when you've got that desire to to do things properly but it's coupled with just the real passion for oh look at the puppy <laughs> <laughs> which is what we want which is just and and that's what that's the kind of sort of family feel we want to create it's about understanding dogs and knowing them inside out but sharing that making it accessible making sure everybody's supported and comfortable with what they're doing whether that's you know someone who's working with dogs whether that's an owner and and the dogs themselves and just if we don't test what we're doing so a, a lot of what research are doing as well is making sure that the way that dogs are cared for in our in dogs trust um centers um is optimal for their mm. welfare mm. you know is it right that they've got you know glass that people can see through or should we use glass where you can see the dogs but they can't see you well don't know let's test it so it's it's that kind of thing and and it's yeah it takes time and it takes funding but by doing it and then sharing that information that can then be shared worldwide mm. and could influence you know welfare for all dogs everywhere yeah yeah so and, and in at the end of the day legislation yeah you know absolutely which is so important mm. um so yeah it's 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 really it's lovely to be part of something that just feels so progressive and is and and actually today that when we were when we we're recording this is um it's international women in science day oh and, really? is it yeah oh, which is really? lovely isn't it yeah <laughs> so um and we are headed up by yeah dr rachel casey who's a woman so whoop whoop hey fair play there you go Girl power. Girl power. <laughs> Although we have guys on the team and they are amazing too, I have to say. They really are. But it's not they their really day. They really are. <laughs> it's not their day. Yeah, yeah they've got their own. When, every other day. But when is way. International Male Scientist Day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was last week. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> February the 29th. <laughs> um, obviously, we're going, we've gone over the hour mark. Um, it's been... I, I get... As with so many people that we talk to, I could talk to you all. I was saying, yeah, as Nat was saying, she's going to send you some something. dates. I feel like I need Aww. to go and lay on a sofa and like transfer you fifty Just pounds. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, for the well, for the I'm not sort of psychology session. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I'll donate that to charity. <laughs> um, we need to do this again because I've got I, I've been writing questions down as I've been going along, and I've, I've got like loads of things that um, I, I told you to you'd about. love us, Dean. Yeah, yeah, we definitely need to do this again Aww. so yeah if you'd be up for it it would be great to have you on yeah, again and, and talk about um other things other stuff um well we stuff. might have something to talk about at some point might we <laughs> we might a little Ooh. project a little teaser exciting times <laughs> fingers yeah. crossed yeah yeah, yeah. hopefully well, hopefully well, I mean, is there anything you want us to definitely need, need want to plug, to, to send people to, to tell people about anything at all? Um, no, I think maybe, well, just I think the research, I, I don't know what their, twi their Twitter handle, because I'm not on Twitter. I think it's mm -hmm. at DT Scholar. At DT um, Scholar. Is okay. Dogs Trust research team on Twitter. Um, and I think just, yeah, the, the COVID, the lockdown 
I mean, the research pages, it's just, it's all on the website, really. Yeah, okay. So direct uh, people straight there to, and they can have a look. And um, we'll, yeah. we'll stick some links up. I'll make sure I put links in the show notes. Um, yeah, wow. Wow, I'm just going to say wow. wow. Is that all right? Shall, shall, we all right? Do, shall we do a group photo oh, and yes. we can put it up and say that we spoke on International Women in Science Day? Is that yeah. what it is? Can I do that? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, really. yeah. You can do all that. All right, everybody ready to smile? Right. Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> can I have my drink? You can have your drink. Yes, you can. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you. What a pleasure. What an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. been fab. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. Really Yay. appreciate it. Um, and Coco, Coco's been very well behaved. Well, she's asleep. Look, there she is. Oh, bless. I, I guess you didn't hear Penny sleeping. <laughs> yeah. I thought it no, was Penny. snoring. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Penny was just shouting, hang on a minute, it's six o'clock. Uh, Where's fed my me. dinner? Exactly. Yeah, so such I, a bossy moo. I didn't hear her. <laughs> she's, trained, she's trained me. She's trained me very well. Yeah. <laughs> Good dog. Oh, thank you. No problem. I'll let, um, right, I'll let you know when the, um, when the podcast is going to go out. It won't be too long, probably some point over the weekend um, or something like that. Yeah. Oh. Are we scary? Have you had fun? Yes, thank you. Okay, that was very enjoyable. Good. Yes, thank brilliant. you very much. Thank Even you. with the fish. Oh yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> it reminded me. I'm writing a, a blog about the spider incident I had a couple of years ago and how I'm still not over it. So I was sort of comparing it with pe- how quickly people want their dogs to be over things, and I'm a bit yeah. like, how quickly do you go over something? Yeah, your well, your spider incident was particularly harrowing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I d- I don't think we ever get over it. I no, think you just no. learn to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You're yeah. never because I will like I can deal with fish yeah. now. I often I'm a fisherman's dream I I walk my dog along the canal and invariably somebody will catch a fish just because I'm there it's like (laughs) solid floor they really will dangling around yeah yeah, and it it scares me but I can I can deal with it Mm. but if I if I'm taken by surprise I'm right back in that panic that's my thing surprise don't get over it if I can see a spider and I know it's there like we've um if there's one in the house and it's cold I can go okay it's run under there stay warm it's fine if yeah. I walk out into the garden, walk into a spider's web, and I think there's one on me, yeah. I'm screaming fuck all over the place yeah. in the garden. <laughs> yeah, it's not the first, yeah. It's, it's, on, it's, me. it's on me. Yeah, just getting naked yeah. and all sorts, you know. It's, uh, but um, yeah, I had, um, I had, a, I, I did have one thought. How did you um, deal with the sort of like late '90s, early 2000s Billy the Bass phenomenon? You know, the, the singing fish that used <laughs> you to. You know, sing. <laughs> the I was I was still a student nurse and I was working at Abbey Vet, um, which yeah, the shabby vet. It's it's no more now. God bless it. I had a brilliant time there um, training, but they. I think I was upstairs on my lunch and they were like emergency you know you get the tannoy like emergency everyone to the crash room so I rushed downstairs under a blanket Tam can you get a tube or whatever and I lift up the blanket and it's Billy Bass sits up oh. and goes take me to the river <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh no best Thank work you. colleagues ever yeah <laughs> supportive <laughs> oh can I can yeah. I clip can I clip that out and include that in the podcast <laughs> yeah of course Is that allowed? thank you yeah <laughs> But yeah, so Billy Bass um, didn't help. And then very recently, somebody sent me, someone also very supportive, um, sent me, (laughs) there are these fish slippers. 
Okay. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah, oh. they're probably sold on Wish, Steve's yeah. favourite oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. online store. And, <laughs> and at Christmas, I was really terrified somebody was going to post me one of these. Um, there's this cat toy that looks like a real fish in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It flobbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks real though. And I, mm. if my dog, but it, I tell you what, this was one of the reasons why my dog Lelki, best dog ever, um, <laughs> had a brilliant emergency stop. Because I was walking along the canal once and she picked up, some fisherman had done fishing and left a couple of fish at the back of the canal and he was carrying on fishing. And Lelki picked one up and being the good good dog that she was she came running towards me look what i've got mummy i've got the pleasure and it was in her mouth and i went stop <laughs> god bless that dog she stopped drop she dropped it oh good dog come to mummy <laughs> and we ran but you know when you're teaching classes and you what you want to justify you want to say to people that this is the reason why we teach these exercises so the reason i teach a stay it's not to do with obedience it's so i can get a really nice picture of my dog posing the reason i teach my dog to stop because she might be coming running towards me carrying a fish <laughs> it's the reason and we will all have a reason. And if you can find what, what motivates someone, yeah. you can get them to change their behavior to help yeah. their dog. But it's finding what motivates them in the first place that mm -hmm. really matters. Oh, that's and great. That's a good, yeah, I love that. That's a great quote. I'm going to write everything down. I'm going to listen to I'm going to, yeah, re-listen to this. Steve's going to steal right? your Down. fish anecdote now. Yeah. That, wait for spring puppy classes. He'll be all over I've that. got no, since yeah. since doing this podcast, I've got no original thoughts left. I, don't, <laughs> yeah, I just, like, I just absorb people's little catchphrases. Yeah. And, they, and then I'm, I find myself regurgitating them all across the south of England. Just well, we all do it. Thoughts. We all do it. I think yeah. as long as we go disclaimer, I heard this somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's... It, nothing's new no. all these new dog training phenomenons and concepts nothing is new it's all just packaged and repackaged and it will be done again and yeah I, I hope to be in a workshop next year with my dog and I hope somebody tells me some fish anecdote that they heard that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll come okay it's come back to me it's come back to me which I'll is be... the joy of life isn't it yeah. it's na life's natural wonderful circle just change we it let up things too, go and, and they come back to us <laughs> switch it up and say we teach a stop in case they're carrying a spider on their back yeah exactly well lovely thank you very yeah, much thank you so much it's been a yeah, real blast thank you i'm gonna go and have my tea now Same. are we yes, doing are we doing real bye or yeah we're, bye? Do, we're doing real oh, yeah, bye I've real, got bye. Okay, real bye. Okay. real bye all right bye see you later bye, bye. bye. Atoms collide, ourselves divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, has just begun. stretches back through all time time guided 
their primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down, you know. It grows. For feed, for seed, our genes compete. This war is never won. Numbers increase for reason and peace on mass as one with strong. And where opposition exists, it's our duty to persist, resist and fight and defend till the end, another's right to all this, this A wish, a kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep